What's going on, everybody? My name is Seth Asselson, and I appreciate you for joining me on Locked On Coyotes. We're back for yet another episode. This is episode number seven as we head into our second week of Locked On Coyotes and the Locked On NHL uh, podcast network. So appreciate you taking the time to listen in to all the Yotes news that uh, you're looking for. Um, and uh, again, bringing it in for Tuesday. The Coyotes kind of have a weird schedule, so... Um, a lot of teams playing tonight. Um, the Coyotes don't get back on the ice until Thursday, so uh, the team they're playing right, or the team that they will play on Thursday, the Vegas Golden Knights, playing right now as I speak, uh, as they enter nearly the or just under the uh, eight-minute mark of the third period. The Knights trail the Bruins, the team the Coyotes played on Saturday in the home opener, four to two. So, chance to see the past and uh, the future of Coyote's opponents so far in 2019-2020. And a quick note on this game, I know it's not necessarily exactly Coyote's related, but the Bruins are currently leading 4-2. That obviously could change in the next 11 minutes or so, but uh, I think it's encouraging if you're the Coyotes to see the Bruins up 4-2. Bruins didn't have the greatest game in Dallas to start this season. They did win, but uh, not the way that I think a lot of people had figured they'd come out of the gates, but they've come out of the gates firing against Vegas. They've dominated the majority of the plays, so I think it's confident that the Coyotes, who uh, outplayed the Bruins, just couldn't get the puck into the back of the net, uh, that the Bruins are finally catching up. So something to feel confident about and uh, also confident that uh, seeing the Knights look uh, a little shaky for the first time in this season, not that... Uh, and I don't think it's that they're looking very too vulnerable, but Knights have looked uh, very invincible so far this season. So now some film on how they can be beat, and the Coyotes can thank the Boston Bruins for that. So we'll see how they use that to their advantage. And the Coyotes uh, coming in still haven't won a game, have only scored one goal, and uh, spent a lot of money in the offseason trying to get... Uh, get that situation fixed and this is a team now that is pretty much pressing the salary cap I mean nearly over it a team that uh, was barely getting over the cap floor picking up contracts that of players they that couldn't play and I think they may have went to that well one too many times they have the Marion Hosa contract now did put them on long-term IR according to cap friendly that should bring some relief, about uh, $5.275 million in cap relief, which is the exact amount of uh, that contract for HOSA. So hopefully that will help out the Coyotes a lot. But uh, just kind of a maybe going to that well one too many times as they try to build now. Um, I think another big thing at the end of this year, Mike Ribeiro, his buyout was... Pretty long. He was assigned to the Coyotes, and um, when you complete a buyout, it splits the contract in half, or uh, basically, so it or stretches it out twice as long. So, money per year cut in half, but the amount of years uh, still paid out. So, for example, if I get a uh, four-year, four million dollar contract, and I get bought out after my second year, the team still owes me uh, f- that two million dollars, but it'll be paid. $500,000 out for the next four years. So Ribeiro got signed to that long contract. It didn't work out after year one, and he got 
bought out. So um, the Coyotes will uh, nearly $2 million listed on cap friendly at 1.94 is his current hit. So that goes off the books at the end of this season as well. So, uh, But I think it's just interesting, a team that, again, wasn't thought about uh, you know, spending a lot of money, a team around the league looked at as cheap, trying to save money, trying to put out the most cost-effective team. And it makes sense in the standpoint of trying to keep the organization afloat. But um, this team wants to win, and I think they have the the personnel that wants to win and it takes money you got to spend money to win and the coyotes have done a lot of that the last two seasons again they're pressing the cap and they're gonna have some some questions to try and uh, figure out some things to figure out this off season i know we're only two games in it's a really early to be talking about the off season but i think uh for fans and a, and a team that hasn't had to think about that the cap situation in a long time it's um, gonna be interesting uh, the trade for Carl Soderberg at the moment is a uh, he'll only be on the team for one year um, unless they resign him uh, Soderberg will be an unrestricted free agent but he brings a cap hit of point four point seven. Um, he is 33, so maybe he'll take a little bit of a pay cut if you know he still wants to stay in the league. Obviously, he'll probably test the market a little bit, see what he can get. Um, can't imagine, unless he has a, a huge year, that he would get uh, anything more than what he's getting right now. But you never know, especially at center. Center is a huge position um, that teams, he can never have enough depth. So... Carl Soderberg might get the opportunity, but uh, I think Brad Richardson, he'll be a UFA. That cap hit only carries $1.2 million. He's uh, he's currently 34. Got to think that might be the end of his time here in Arizona unless they feel that he's going to uh, be able to get uh, another year of production when he's 35. Now, I thought when his last contract was up, last year that that was going to be it for him in Arizona but Coyotes decided to hang on to him and that was a good move a valuable penalty kill he scored 19 goals led the team so uh, Vinny Hinostroza is going to be a restricted free agent um, so a lot of uh, a lot of interesting decisions for this team coming up Christian Fisher will be an RFA as well so kind of uh, some decisions on what they're going to do in regards to how they manage their cap space if they want to bring in another high power forward. Um, but I think the most encouraging thing as of right now, the Coyotes forwards are average age is 26. Phil Kessel only 32. Um, so you got to think he'll be at least at the top of his game for the, the final three years. Uh, that includes this year. So going to the next final two years of his contract, uh, Derek Stepan. Is going to be due for an extension soon. He's he becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2021-2022. So uh, forward wise, pretty locked in. They gave that extension to Clayton Keller. Nick Schmaltz has been locked up for a long time, past 2025-2026. 20, Same thing with Keller. So 
Keller's extension doesn't kick in until next year, so that actually saves the Coyotes big time because Keller's still on his entry-level contract, so his cap hit is $885,000, whereas that bumps up uh, to $7.15 million next year. So even though uh, Keller has got that extension and he's locked in and the Coyotes might be shedding a couple contracts, it's uh, it's not going to help them too much. Is it's going to be seven point one five million dollars added on. Uh, so uh, looking again at cap friendly, their projected cap hit as of right now going into next year is going to be uh, eighty million dollars already on the books. That's without a a re-sign of anybody that's listed as a free agent. So got to think maybe another contract is shed at some point. Uh, a lot of talk that Alex Goligoski might get traded, um, whether the Coyotes are in it or not, um, that he could be a piece that gets dealt. He is a little bit older. He's 34, cap it at uh, nearly $5.5 million. I think one of the interesting things with him is if he gets through this season and the Coyotes can't find a way to uh, find a trade partner, you got to wonder maybe, um, if they're really feeling the cap pressure again, John Chike has done a fantastic job with the cap and putting this team together. So I don't think uh, people would be too worried about if they needed to, you know, get rid of some cap without having to get rid of that core that uh, got you know, at the expense of having to lose Alex Goligoski. But got to think maybe the buyout option, cut that in half and drop it over two years. Uh, Nicholas Jarmelson, he's 32. If the Coyotes, uh, again, I don't think they'll be in the situation way too early to tell, but if the Coyotes are way out of it again, is that a guy that you, you see if you can get a, maybe some future D pieces for? He's 32. He'll be an unrestricted free agent in a couple of years as well. So interesting time for the Coyotes in regards to the cap, something that the team really hasn't had to worry about all that much uh, in the last few years but the cap space is starting to tighten up for John Chica and again we're only two games in so hard to really speculate but I think it's just an interesting topic for Coyotes fans since they really haven't had to worry about how they're going to get underneath it in uh, a very long time so um, team spending a lot of money and um We'll see how things play out as the season goes on and if the Chica is going to have to play some uh, cat magic and uh, cat Tetris, if you will, to try to get the team underneath. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And we're going to see how the game goes on Thursday night as well. And if you're a Coyotes fan in the Valley or if you're coming in uh, to the Valley to watch the game as the Coyotes take on maybe the Western Conference's best team, Las Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, you can find tickets on Vivid Seats. Now, Vivid Seats uh, is an online ticket event marketplace and is dedicated to providing the fans with uh, live entertainment experiences that last a lifetime. never know what you're going to see between the Coyotes and the Knights. Uh, Coyotes have had trouble beating the Knights at home, so could uh, maybe see that happen on Thursday. Maybe you could see the Coyotes finally break out of their slump uh, offensively, and uh, you could thank Vivid Seats for that. Vivid Seats is great. 
you can watch your favorite artists, your favorite teams. Um, you can earn credit back on all purchases made through the Vivid Seats app via the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. So the more Coyotes games you make your way to, the more you dump into the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. And uh, it's it's great. It's a great program. The reward statuses, they range from MVP to Hall of Famer. You can earn from 10% up to 16% credit on all purchases. So uh, go in. It's a free app. You can download it in your favorite app store, whether that's Apple, whether that's Google Play. Uh, and the best thing about Vivid Seats, at least I think to me, all orders are 100% guaranteed. You're not going to get to the gate. Uh, you're not going to walk through the security at Gila River Arena and wonder whether your tickets are going to scan. They're going to scan. And you know what? If they don't, Vivid Seats is dedicated to uh, making sure they get the problem fixed. So if you're going to head out to the game tomorrow, Vivid Seats is going to be your best option. You can come say hi to me. Uh, I'll be up in the press box. So um, viewing the game from up there. But hopefully Vivid Seats can get you in the door. And hopefully we can see you there at Gila River Arena tomorrow night. So uh, the Coyotes heading into their game tomorrow. And it'll be interesting to see how their goaltending situation plays out going into tomorrow. And what I mean by goaltending situation, I don't think it's one of those things where Darcy Kemper is going to be sad. He's played way too well last year and into this year. But Ronta is back. He did get called back up. We'll see if he dresses it tomorrow. He probably will. Or uh, Thursday, sorry. We are still uh, on Tuesday. So we'll see if he dresses Thursday. Um, the Coyotes are playing at home against Vegas and then head over to Colorado on Saturday. So pretty light schedule for the Coyotes to start the season. A lot of rest. Now, getting a lot of rest early in the season means that the schedule's going to be a little more piled on as it goes along. Obviously, everybody's got to play 82 games in the allotted time stretch. So um, even though the Coyotes are getting a lot of time in between games early on, it just means it'll be a bigger workload for the goaltenders. And it'll be interesting to see how it gets split up. I think uh, you're going to see Kemper carry the load until he can't uh, any longer, which... He carried it for a long time last year, so I don't think that's going to be an issue. But I think it is going to give the Coyotes an opportunity to really get Kemper some rest. And they were in a dead heat for the playoffs, and Calvin Pickard, uh, while a serviceable goaltender, wasn't what the Coyotes needed at that point. They uh, Kemper was not only used the hot hand, but he was uh, the most reliable source in net for them. And when you're a team just on the brink. You need to put the goaltender that's going to give you the best chance to win out there every night, and that was Darcy Kemper. Now, Coyotes, obviously, if they can get themselves off to a better start, they won't have to worry about that. But uh, I think as the season goes along, especially if the team is chasing that a playoff spot and, again, is in a, a, a deadlock, has to you know play extremely well to every night to get in, I think you'll see Ronta get the call a little bit more because he is a little more proven. He is a little bit more trusted. Everywhere he's been, he's been solid. Um, the only year that he has had a uh, below 900 save percentage was with the Blackhawks, his rookie season in the NHL in 2013-14. Uh, we had an 897 save percentage and a 271 goals against average. That was a, a tough year for him in the backup role in Chicago. But the next year... 
got a, a lot better for him. He did only play 14 games, so not called on as much, but his stats, 189 goals against average, nine, <laughs> excuse me, 936 save percentage. And so for Ronta, it's one of those things where he's he's reliable in New York. His two years there, backing up Henrik Lundqvist, he was good. Came over to Arizona his first year. He played 47 games, 930 save percentage. Uh, went through injuries a lot. The Coyotes got off to a really bad start. So um, for the Coyotes, it's uh, they have two reliable goaltenders. Now, the big question is, is uh, Ronta is 30. They did give him uh, that contract last season that extends through the end of next year. So he's got two more years <clears throat> left on his deal. And you got to wonder, by the time that comes up, he'll be 32. And you just got to think whether is is he going to be happy here. He's a guy that was looking for a starting spot. He struggled to stay healthy. And I don't think he lost it. He didn't lose it due to, due to his own performance. He just lost it due to a better performance by somebody else. So you got to wonder whether he maybe will request a trade, get his opportunity. I mean, he didn't get the uh, a mega payday like a, a top-tier goalie would, but, I mean, he is making $4.2 million. So if it is a thing of he wants that big contract to cash in, I mean, he's – I don't know if he's going to find a, a better deal anywhere else. Uh, for a team that is in a position to compete, obviously, teams near the bottom of the league – Ottawa, um, Detroit comes to mind, would love his services, but if he wants to play on a team that uh, could be in a, com- a position to compete, not sure if he would see that much money. He'd probably get offered even a little bit less to take a backup role. I think that's the nature of the NHL is a team that's ready to compete already has a goaltender, and not a lot of teams that you would consider playoff teams or Stanley Cup contenders are really missing that goaltender piece. So uh, maybe in Florida, Bobrovsky's off to a bad start, but they've paid him $10 million a year. So it wouldn't, uh, I don't think you'd see them shell out even more money on a second goal. And again, it's early in the season. I think the Panthers are trying to figure themselves out. But for Ronta, I think the only way he wants to get traded or if he doesn't want to come back is if he, really wants to start if it's one of those things where he feels that he has to start and he could start anywhere in the league he could still start in Arizona if it wasn't for Darcy Kemper but if he wants to start for a team that has a chance to win and not necessarily win a Stanley Cup but make it to the playoffs the Coyotes can't be Stanley Cup contenders if they get their offense figured out but you know if he wants to be on a team that is competing for a playoff spot um, I don't know if he's going to get a better situation than what he has in Arizona so be interesting to see how that plays out for him. I don't think he's shown any disdain or uh, shown any uh, discontent with the situation he's in. I think he understands that his health has really hindered him. But be interesting to see how that plays out and uh, how the Coyotes kind of handle having two starting goaltenders that could play on any any team in the NHL at the moment. Now, somebody had mentioned in the episode a little bit earlier when we were talking about the salary cap, Alex Goligoski, his future, uh, wouldn't necessarily say up in the air. Again, way too early to say anything like that, but uh, we talked about yesterday with Andrew Bell about Jacob Chikrin and how he needs to have a breakout year. I think for Goligoski, this is the year that 
wouldn't say he's going to decide the remaining of his he's starting to age a little bit he's at a 34 again two more years left on his contract gotta wonder what his time is left here not only in Arizona but in the NHL I think last year he had or he had mentioned earlier this season that last year he had lost uh, the passion for the game a little bit he found it which was good for him and, and good for the Coyotes but for a guy who last year was considering whether this uh, game was worth it for him or not you got to wonder if that's something he ponders maybe at the end of this season at 35 uh, he's he's accomplished a lot Alex Goligoski has been in this league a long time and he's played at a high level for a very long time as well as uh, part of the Penguins team that won the Stanley Cup in 2009. I only played two playoff games, but that is enough to get your name on the cup. All you got to do is play uh, one playoff game. Uh, so he did that. And uh, so he's a Stanley Cup champion. And uh, next year he had played in 13 playoff games. And for a guy who's been really good as a defenseman, and a guy who kind of flies under the radar as an offensive defenseman, a guy that will consistently get 30 points. Last year, he only got 27, but he did play only in 76 games. And so, uh, maybe you got to think if he is in the lineup a little bit more last year, that, that's a different story. Uh, the only two years since 2000, uh, or three years, sorry, since 2009, 2010, that he hasn't gotten at least 30 points. Uh, 2010, 2011, he got 15, but he only played 23 games. Uh, in 2012, 2013, he had 27 points in 47 games. That was the lockout shortened season, and so uh, kind of not fair to even count that. Um, and then last year, only had 27 points, but uh, 76 games played. And for the most part, he's been really healthy. He's been really reliable. Played in his 800th game on Saturday against the Bruins. So a guy who normally can stay in the lineup, especially uh, as his uh, year, his career has worn on. He's played a lot of games. Usually it's the opposite way when guys are a little bit younger. They're uh, really good at playing a lot of games and, and staying healthy. And then maybe when they get a little older, the body breaks down. But I also think that speaks to not only what Goligoski does, but what the NHL players do. They understand their bodies so well. They know what they need to do to make sure they stay in great shape as uh, their careers go along. I mean, look at a guy like Zidane Char who's played forever. Um, Goligoski feels like a, a guy like that where, you know, he's 34, but he still might have three really good years left in him. So I think that's where the Coyotes are in between a, a rock and a hard place right now is that they, they have a a guy that can be consistent, can put up 30 points from the back end. Hard to find those guys, but uh, a hefty cap hit and a team that's maybe going in a different direction in terms of uh, the back end and, and how youthful they are. They got um, Victor Soderstrom. I think that was a move that they anticipated since Goligosi is getting a little bit older. Same thing with Jarmelson. Um So a team that I think is preparing for life without a couple of their older defensemen, uh, Jason Demers, even he's at 31. By the time his contract is up, he'll be 33. So uh, it's a team that I think is preparing for an aging back end. And 
uh, for Goligoski, I think um, I, I think they'll move him at some point, uh, whether it be at the trade deadline this year or in the offseason next year just because of the cap hit he brings. The Coyotes are really pressed. I think if the Coyotes are in a better cap situation um, before they have to make a decision like that, I think he'll stay. But I think just because where they're at in the cap hit. And again, if this is a team that gets into the playoffs and, and makes a pretty good run at it, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's not gone. Maybe he. Uh, maybe they feel that they want to keep keep the band together for one last good run. I mean, for the defensemen right now that are on the NHL roster, will be unrestricted free agents after the 2020-2021 season. So um, it'll be kind of an interesting thing as if if they play really well this year, uh, maybe they try to keep the band together for one last ride. And I think on the other hand, if uh, they don't play very well this year, if they play below expectations, not that expectations are Stanley Cup or bust, but definitely to make the playoffs, they feel that the expectations are, are at least reasonable in that aspect. Uh, it'll be interesting because if they don't make the playoffs, I mean, maybe not time to blow the entire thing up, but maybe you do move a couple a piece or two on that back end to mend whatever ails you, whether it be wanting to get younger in the back end, getting another forward that can score. So be interesting to see what uh, what the move is with uh, Alex Goligoski. You got to think he's going to have another really good year. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how things go. So uh, tomorrow's episode of the podcast will preview the Vegas game. Um, as I speak, Vegas did lose. Uh, tonight against Boston, that game just wrapped up a couple minutes ago, even though they had a, a furious try to get back into it. They did get within one, but couldn't complete the comeback. And we'll talk about that. Uh, and a plethora of other Coyotes topics we'll dive into. And then Thursday, we'll have Andrew Bell back on the show. Um, we'll dive even deeper into that Vegas game. And we'll see how uh, the Coyotes do over the next couple of days. Been pretty silent on the news front. After the, the first week, uh, last week, had a lot of news coming out every day before the first game. So a little more silent this time, which I think is good for that team that looking to break out of that slump. And you got to think that it'll be coming soon. So appreciate you joining us here on Locked On Coyotes. Again, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So every day includes tomorrow, Wednesday. Hope you can tune in. Until then, have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you soon.